Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. Welcome to the fifth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, a wild white planeswalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker, a strong-willed turquoise planeswalker. We've got a great show for you today, so pour yourself a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the fifth episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim. First up is the segment we like to call Our Week in Magic. So Lex, I'm going to throw a wrench in things and ask you to start the conversation. (laughs) You want me to talk? Yeah, it's something you're really pretty good at, I'd say. Really? Okay. So, um, okay. What do you want me to say? <laughs> what have you been doing this week? Okay, well, we've had some magical fun this week. Oh, lots. Well, actually, it's been a couple weeks. So, mm-hmm. not this, this weekend, but last weekend, uh, we went to a Born of the Gods pre-release, mm-hmm. and we got some fly new Born of the Guard, Born of the Gods cards. <laughs> yep, totally. Born of the Guards. <laughs> and what um, color did you get? Well, yeah, that's just what I was gonna say. Um, I was, I went in wanting to get blue, right? Um, the blue pre-release pack, um, but in our uh, noobishness, we showed up like, I don't know, 15 minutes before the thing started. Mm-hmm. And all the blue packs that they had were already spoken for. Yeah. I guess people like blue. Oh, Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> it's been winning, right? So luckily, um, my second choice was pretty easy and I went with green. Okay. Um, what color did you get? Um, I got white. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got white. Yep, it you was... did. Destined to lead? I think it was destined to lead was the motto on the front. Yeah, I think the blue one is like destined to be super awesome or something <laughs> like that. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> destined um, to outwit. Isn't oh, that yeah. It? I think that's it. Yeah, I should have I worked that into my, uh, my intro somehow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so we did that. That was fun. Yeah. And then we came home with our cards and we played against each other a little bit with our sealed decks. Yes, but you're missing an important step. First, we stopped at a brewery. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we got a little, it was a little growler, but we got some big chocolate love, they call it, which yeah. was delicious. I think even you liked it. You had a sip. Yeah, it was all right. Um, yeah, we were actually thinking we might play some magic at, at the little brewery, but um, mm-hmm. it was Super Bowl Sunday. 
So yeah, that wasn't going to happen. All the all the jocks like had taken the place over. So. Yeah, just screaming, and it was too loud for us. Yeah, I thought magic players were obnoxious. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, we we came to the sanctity of our fortress of solitude right. and played magic and drank beer and mm-hmm. listened to music and good times were had by all. Um, and then, uh, we also got a Born of the Gods wizard or wizard's tower. We got a Born of the Gods fat pack. That's right. And, um, did we do a sealed with that or did we go straight to wizard's tower? I don't remember. We did. We drafted. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. We We drafted with it. Yeah. We did it our own little draft, uh, with that. And then after that, we, um, did a wizard's tower with all born of the gods. And that was a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. I was a little, a little unsure of how that would go because Mm -hmm. born of the gods is a, is a small set. As I say, it doesn't have um, as many cards in it as Theros did. Okay. So I was curious if it would hold up all by itself in a wizard's tower. And it totally did. And it was super fun I have to say of the new mechanics that have been introduced in Born of the Gods, hands down, no contest. My favorite is, um, shit. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> uh, tribute. Okay. Tribute. <laughs> yeah. Um, inspired is cool. Inspired can be fun. Um, it's sometimes it can be a little difficult to get it working for you because mm-hmm. you, you have to attack or find some other way to tap that creature so that it, can untap and you can get your your little inspired bonus and it has to live to untap exactly um but tribute tribute was a lot of fun um i just i just love it i i'm really curious to see how the spikes and the johnnies out there respond to Mm -hmm. tribute but Mm -hmm. as mainly a timmy i have to say that i i love it i love it on both Mm -hmm. sides i've you know, I've played a tribute card and watched my opponent squirm trying mm-hmm. to decide which is the lesser of two evils to take. Yeah. And um, I've had them played by me and had to make the decision myself. Yeah. I think our cat is like tearing down the apartment. <laughs> um, I hope no one can hear that. But anyway, uh, hopefully she's not getting into anything too dangerous. <laughs> um, what was I saying? <laughs> Oh, you're talking about tribute. And another reason I really love it, and you kind of touched on this, but it's the instant gratification. It's like once you pull it out, something cool happens, you know? Right, right. And you have to make a decision. And and a lot of times it can be, it can be a difficult decision. And I just like the, the dynamic of, you know, it's your turn, you're making a play, but yet your opponent has a decision to make. Mm-hmm. that's going to alter the course of the game a lot of times mm-hmm. and at the very least alter the course of that turn. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant mechanic and it's a lot of fun. And I like the, the interaction. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to playing like a commander, like a multiplayer commander game with tribute cards oh. and, and seeing the dynamic of tribute in a multiplayer game where you can pick which of the opponents has to um, pay the tribute. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool because some of the cards, like if you don't pay the tribute, you can like take over a creature or something. So you could have one opponent decide whether or not to pay tribute and Mm -hmm. then take over a different opponent's creature. Right. So I think in multiplayer, um, it'll be even more cool and, and there'll be even more kind of dynamics at work with that. 
Yeah. So yeah, we had a lot of fun with the Born of the Gods Wizard's Tower, and and I really loved it, and I'm I'm looking forward to playing it some more. But I have to say, the whole time I just kept thinking, I can't wait to see these cards interacting with the Theros cards. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to take our Theros Wizard's Tower and our Born of the Gods Wizard's Tower and take the best and the brightest from both and put them together into a combined Wizard's Tower. And I think it's going to be super fun. I'm I am so stoked about Born of the Gods, and I'm sure we'll talk some more about it later. Yeah, yeah, um, no, it's awesome. And when you do that, do you think that you're going to say, okay, this is how many cards are in a fat pack, so that's the limit for your Wizard's Tower? Or are you going to decide how many cards will go into the Theros slash Born of the Gods Wizard's Tower? Yeah, that's a good question. I've actually been been wondering about that myself. At first, I thought, well, I could just put them all together and have this super huge Wizard's Tower. Right. And in a multiplayer game, especially if you have a lot of players, that that might be kind of cool. But um, when we're just playing it, especially just the two of us, like I don't think that would work because you never see most of the cards. Um, so I think, I think personally that I would prefer to keep the number of the cards the same. And, and so I, it's 200 and some cards that we have in our Theros Wizards Tower, for instance. Um, so, well, let's see, we could do the math. Let's see. It's nine fat packs times 15 cards is, mm-hmm. let's see, 45, what, 135 and then 80 land. So that's 215 about uh-huh. cards in the wizard's tower. Okay. So it's just like it's just like building like a 60 card deck. The more cards you add right. beyond 60, the mm-hmm. less chance that you have of seeing any particular card that you might want to see. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough, but I'm going to try and go through them all and pick out, you know, the the 135 coolest spell cards and then throw in 80 lands and Okay. And yeah. Yeah, and and because uh, Born of the Gods is a small set, there are no new lands in it, which kind of made oh, me right. a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you really like the Gate Crash lands, so maybe we could throw some Gate Crash lands in there just to have <laughs> some great. more variety in our land art. Yeah, because we're crazy and we care about those kinds of things. <laughs> so um, I I had other things that I did the following week, but um, Nikki, why don't you tell us some of the stuff you've done? in in magic in the last couple weeks since our last show okay well just to touch again on the pre-release um that was fun just watching everybody get excited over the cards and stuff and line up for their colors and you were right most people picked blue and then black i think was the next most popular color it seemed like yeah i think you're right seemed like it was blue then black then maybe maybe red yeah, actually, after that, I'm really not sure. It was like I blue was, and black was really popular and then really tapered off. Yeah, it did dramatically. That. But I think it was red, white, and then the fewest people, I think, was green. Yeah, which really surprised me because, mm-hmm. at least in Theros, green was a super strong color. Right. Um, it plays really well with blue. It plays really well with black. Mm-hmm. Um Historically, green has always played well with white. I'm not sure specifically in Theros if it does or not, but it, it seems like it, it should. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I mean, I mean, white's kind of in Theros seems to be a lot about the heroic and more of an aggro deck where green is more, you know, big, huge, fat creatures and more of a control deck. Mm-hmm. So it might not be the best matchup out there. 
like like you know white and red in theros is a really good combination but yeah i was really surprised by that um what's what's with people hating on green lately yeah i don't know i think I it's know. great i think some of the best cards in theros were green personally like sedge scorpion everyone loves a sedge scorpion right <laughs> yeah one totally. one death touch the only thing he doesn't have is reach if he had mm -hmm. reach man he'd be like awesome <laughs> as i kick the table Definitely. boom <laughs> well anyway we, when we came home to draft i played green and white ended up playing green and white and um had a lot of fun with it although i lost all three games to you <laughs> Which was sad. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we drafted. What was I? I was playing blue and green, wasn't I? Yes, I think it was blue and green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. that's why I, I went back to being a turquoise planeswalker because, yeah, I've been playing a lot of blue and green lately. Okay. Okay. I mentioned that I'm a wild white planeswalker yeah. because I've been playing a lot of green and white. Yeah, so, it's a like, good the combination. Draft, yeah. So it it's fun, but I haven't worked out all the kinks yet, apparently. <laughs> or I just, you know, my cards weren't as strong as yours, maybe. It's the way it goes right with the draft. And then when we got the fat pack, I played black, green, and splashed white. So there oh. again with the green and white. But I, I know in Theros, black, green was a really good combination, yeah. it seemed like. Every time I, I played a black, green deck on, on a draft, like... Mm -hmm. It was very challenging. Okay. And that, I mean, every that was time online, I played right? against a black green deck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was online. Okay. And, and actually, now that I think about it, I think most of my wins in Theros drafts, I actually played black and green. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And then when we played the Wizard's Tower, I found this really fun combo which I don't think you were having quite as much fun <laughs> playing against it, but it was great. I brought out the hero of Lena Tower, which is a creature, and she has heroic. So whenever you cast a spell that targets her, you can pay X, and if you do, then you put X plus one plus one counters on her. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, so I brought her out, and then I would cast Raised by Wolves on her, and basically that gives her two, or that gives me... Two, two, two green wolf creature tokens on the battlefield. And so, you know, that would buff her and then I'd have wolves and then she would get another plus one plus one for each wolf I controlled. And then I would cast Nixian or Nixborn wolf, which is an enchantment creature. So I'd just bestow that on her and give her plus three plus one. And so that was a blast. And I loved the theme being a Timmy, you know, like here's this hero, but she was raised by wolves. And then the Nixian born wolf comes in to help her. And I don't know. It was just great. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I really dig um, kind of the wolf yeah. tribe thing that's going on in Theros. And I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the name of the card, but was it an M14 card? I remember there was a green card. Where it was a sorcery and you got like a 2-2 two -two wolf token creature for every forest you had in play. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Was I, that M14? I remember that. Uh, I think it was. I'm not absolutely sure. but Yeah, so it seems like you could make a, a pretty fun like wolf-themed standard deck. Right, yeah. Um, which would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been really... I've been really enthusiastic about making a uh, Theros and Born of the Gods Wizards Tower, and I also thought it would be fun to make a uh, M14 slash 
Theros slash Born of the Gods Wizard's Tower. Although, I mean, it, it'd be really tough selecting your cards for that. Mm-hmm. But if we ever did like a huge, like eight or more person free for all match with a Wizard's Tower where we could have like a 400 card Wizard's Tower, that, that'd be a good time <laughs> to do that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would be a blast. <laughs> And then finally, we got to go to a Lady Planeswalkers Society event. Yes, our our first Lady Planeswalkers event. That was with uh, Tifa Mm -hmm. and Mike, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was so fun to meet them in person. Um, They're just as sweet as they (laughs) look online, (laughs) and they're wonderful. And everybody there was really welcoming and just completely down to earth. Yeah, and they all seemed Timmy like, you know. So it was just a great atmosphere. Yeah. Um. That was, I, well, I guess it was probably yours too, but, but that mm-hmm. was my first, I think it was my first official, like, magic event that I went to. Um, I might have gone to one when I was in college. It's kind of lost in the haze of those days. Um, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember playing magic in, in a store, but okay. I don't remember if it was an actual, like an event like that, or if mm-hmm. it was just playing magic in a store with some people. Okay. Um, but yeah, we got our first planeswalker point and, um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was super fun. Should we, should we talk about that now? Why not? Okay. Sure. It's our week in magic. It's perfect time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was a, uh, a special Valentine's Day event right. that Lady mm-hmm. Planeswalkers did in, uh, Bellevue, right? Mm-hmm. It was in Bellevue. And, um, yeah, um, <laughs> actually I want to tell the story of me being stupid and Nikki being smart. And luckily I was smart enough at least to listen to her. Oh no. What? Um, this, this event goes on at a store called uncle's games, which is like a chain, um, like gaming hobby shop that's in malls mm-hmm. around here, I guess. And, um, I'd played at an uncle's games before for Pathfinder society in um redmond yeah so when i saw on on the lady planeswalkers society facebook that they were playing at uncle's games i just assumed it was the one i'd been to in redmond oh yeah and so we're like plugging the coordinates into the gps and i'm plugging in the redmond store and you're like oh well you know my address i have is different yeah and and yours said bellevue and mine said redmond and I was like, oh, it's probably just the same place because like, for instance, where I went to school is actually in Shoreline and you can like, they have the same address, but the address can either be Shoreline or it can be Seattle. It's right. really weird. So you can send a letter to them and either have it be Shoreline or Seattle, different zip codes, but the street address is exactly the same. Right. So I thought maybe it was a thing like that where it's like somewhere kind of in the middle and it can be either or. <laughs> I see. But then we realized that the street and the number and everything were different. Yeah. So you you had actually gotten the address from like the, the Facebook page, page mm-hmm. right? So I was like, well, let's let's use yours because it's, you know, obviously the correct one. And yeah, it was a totally different store, totally <laughs> different mall. And so, yeah, I'm really glad I listened to you because we would have been really bummed out over in Redmond, like, <laughs> being like, where With the no fuck one. is everybody? <laughs> We're here for Planeswalker Society. Where is it? They're like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. But we did find it and yes. it was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, really cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it would i don't know i i felt like it was a perfect blend of like people that i mean knew what they were doing it wasn't mm-hmm. like people were just like oh whatever no way i mean people were competitive but it was also like if you know people were more than happy to explain mm-hmm. you know every time a born of the guard god's card would come out like you know oh well this is the card this is what it does and and turn it around so you could read it mm-hmm. um which which honestly was kind of my biggest anxiety about going to an event like that is is i've only really played you know what they call kitchen table magic mm-hmm. um with friends and things like that i'd never really played with strangers before and and i was really afraid afraid that it would be like the super fast paced game oh, yeah. where people just throw cards down and expect you to know what they were mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have time to like actually look at the card and figure out what it does mm-hmm. and and you know maybe it was is because it's a new set but it totally wasn't like that i no. mean everybody was like just super cool and awesome and we met some really great people and had a lot of fun did oh i don't know if i mentioned it was a two-headed giant yeah no you didn't so it was something special that they don't usually do which kind of brought in uh more people i felt like okay it didn't seem like a lot of people were there in the first place but uh, i was talking to one girl that was there and she's like yeah i don't usually you know come out to the east side events i guess she goes to the seattle one okay but she came for two-headed giant because it's you know something special that they're doing yeah um and i thought that was awesome that they do stuff like that every so often and just throw in this new way to play or this new uh format that's the word i'm looking for um that they don't usually play in the group so yeah um yeah and and it was you know this was for valentine's day yeah so it was it was all couples which Mm -hmm. was really cool is like all these couples and then we we all played two-headed giant together and um it was a lot of fun and uh nikki and i have played two-headed giant on uh the planeswalkers the steam game before but this was the first time we got to play two-headed giant together like with actual real magic cards yeah so so that was super fun so what we did was um everybody each couple got one of the pre-release packs and we got the blue one this Mm -hmm. time since i i wasn't able to get the the blue one last time since they were sold out, um, Nikki was was nice enough to to let us get the blue pack, although <laughs> she wanted the black one. And then uh, we proceeded to make our two decks from that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going with blue and green mm-hmm. for my turquoise deck, as I want to do. And you did... What black. did you do? Was it black and white? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You did black and white. Yeah. Yeah. And... and like we were an awesome team. Like those those two decks complemented each other really well because um Nikki was able to get out creatures really quickly, like mm-hmm. lower cost creatures. And I brought creatures out more slowly, but my creatures either had flying or were just big mm-hmm. if they were green. And um I wanted to talk about a particular card that I actually got to play in both of the matches that we played. Okay. Which was, and it was actually the poster child card or the oh, right. the mascot card of the blue um, pre-release pack. So mm-hmm. it was the the shiny foil um, rare, I think, that was in the seated pack. Okay. And it was the arbiter of the ideal, which is a, a blue creature. Mm-hmm. And let me, I got my little fat pack 
Born of the Gods book here. Okay. So I can um Was look he expensive or um well let's see. He's two blue and four colorless mana. Okay. So six mana. So yeah, pretty pricey. This is kind of an end of the game thing that you bring out. Um it's a Sphinx creature and actually Oh, my vision's so bad. Is that a male or a female? Nikki gets mad if I look. use the wrong pronoun. I just <laughs> she, call everything. She he. looks female. She? Okay. So she is a Sphinx four five flying creature. Which already is pretty freaking cool. Four or five flying. I mean, um, I'll <laughs> buy that. Uh, but she also has an inspired ability, which is just sick. Okay. Okay. So here's what it says. It says, whenever Arbiter of the Ideal becomes untapped, reveal the top card of your library. If it's an artifact, creature, or land card, you may put it onto the battlefield with a manifestation counter on it. That permanent is an enchantment in addition to its other types. Okay. So, so basically, you get a look at the top card of your library, and if it's an artifact, creature, or land, you get to play it for free. That's pretty nice. Which is awesome. You don't have to pay mana. You don't have mm-hmm. to do anything. I, I, the the whole arb arb. Wait, what the fuck is it called? Manifestation counter. <laughs> yeah. That kind of threw me at first because I'm yeah. like, I don't remember seeing any card anywhere that that said anything about manifestation counters. Is there some kind of mechanic or some kind of card that cares about that? Like, you know, if a creature has a manifestation counter, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there is. I think that that's just like basically a reminder to you and your opponent that in addition to whatever other types that card is, it's also an enchantment. Mm-hmm. So if you pull out a creature or you pull out a land, um, it's also an enchantment. So if you have any kind of removal that works on enchantments, it'll work on that. Okay. So like, um, oh, what's the green card that destroys an enchantment? It's like Artisan Sorrow or something like that. Like normally that wouldn't do anything against a land, but it could take right. out this particular land. Because it's also an enchantment. Oh, okay. But but really, the the gist of this is is you get the chance to get an artifact or a creature um, in play for free, right? And um, I was somehow I got lucky and and I got this card out in both matches. And if I remember right, the first match, like the card didn't accomplish much because our opponents like had some kind of removal and just like destroyed it immediately but hey they had to spend their removal on it right but then the uh the second match if i remember right i got the i got i got her out and they bounced her back into my hand the first turn and then i cast her again the next turn and then i actually got to use her inspired ability i think two or three times and it was like it was pretty game changing. I got a couple extra creatures out on the board just because of that. Um, and plus, she's a four or five flying, which is really hard to deal with. Um, so I really, really like that card. That card is super cool. Definitely, definitely fun. And 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 was one of the first times, if not the first time, I've really gotten an inspire ability. To mm-hmm. go off, that was really cool because because uh, they are tricky because yeah, and and then I also had um because it was a blue de- green deck I also had a Kioris follower, right, which is a two two creature. It's like one blue one green mana to summon, mm-hmm. and she um you can tap her to untap a creature, 
So I was able one time I was able to attack with with my uh, my ideal, mm-hmm. um, and then I w- after the attack, still in my turn, I was able to use Cure's Follower to untap it and get the inspired ability like right away in that same turn. And so then, not only did I have um, this four or five flyer to block with now, but I also had this creature that came out mm-hmm. um, to block with too. So it's a really powerful card. A lot of fun. Interesting. A lot of fun. Yeah, I that that blue green deck I made was was pretty cool. I didn't have it like a a a huge amount of synergy. I mean, it was kind of a cobbled together deck, but but between like some of the really impressive flying creatures I had with blue that had some cool like inspire abilities and some cool heroic abilities, and then just the big fatties I had in green, um, it was pretty effective. And then you had your white and black and you had like a ton of removal right in that deck which and so, was awesome yeah and so I, that's why i felt like our two decks actually worked really well together because mine kind of made up for some of the holes in your deck and vice versa right yeah because you didn't you had a lot of heroic creatures but then it turned out that maybe you didn't have quite as many activators as you right. would have liked to have and yeah. your creatures yeah. were all really small yeah but it was kind of cool because you got creatures out really early and they tended to die. Um, oh, but, yeah. it, but it gave me time to get my bigger creatures out, which mm-hmm. had evasion, like flying and trample. And um, and then by the time I was playing my creatures, then you had this really good removal with the white and the black where you could just take things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a really good, really good uh, combination of colors and, and decks It worked really well. Yeah. It was a blast. And then in that, because we played with a pre-release box, I don't know if we even mentioned that, but for Two Headed Giant, we had pre-release box blue. And in that, we got Afara, God of the Polis. Yes, we did. Yeah. So was that awesome. was really exciting. But we didn't get to use her, right? You didn't put her in your deck. No, I, I was actually sorely tempted to do white and blue just to play her. And I also got the, uh, I believe it's called the Battlewise Hoplite, which is a blue-white... Um, heroic dude mm-hmm. um but honestly the main reason i didn't do that is i'm just not a fan of heroic yeah i just i don't know i've i've tried it many times on magic online i've tried to make heroic decks tried to make it work and you know we were talking about this on the on the way home from this event that that we just don't we're not huge fans of heroic it's it's like you there are too many variables. There are too right. many things that have to just go just right. Yep. You know, you got to have your heroic out right away. And then you got to have your heroic enablers right after that. And, yep. and just everything has to come into place. And mm-hmm. and when that happens, it's super cool and it's ridiculous. But it seems like far more often, like one of those pieces doesn't fall into place. And it's just like a crappy deck. And <laughs> I, I would just yeah. rather play green with nice big fat dependable creatures and some good (laughs) ramp or i'd rather Mm -hmm. play blue with some good flyers and scry and and being able to draw cards and stuff like that or better yet playing blue and green you Mm -hmm. know or red with your damage and and your aggro but but yeah i'm just i'm just not a fan of the heroic i I, to me it feels like heroic is great for a constructed deck like You know, like we were talking about, I I think it'd be fun to make a constructed deck where you have a few heroic creatures, mm-hmm. like your more badass heroic creatures, like your Wingsteed Rider and things mm-hmm. like that, and then just have a shit ton of bestow creatures. 
And, 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 well, and that's another reason I'm not a huge fan of the heroic decks is I'm not a huge fan of combat tricks. Oh. I'd rather have good creatures or, you know, things like counter spell or bounce spells or Mm -hmm. removal or things like that. I'm not a huge fan of the combat tricks. Um, that's about the last thing I usually want in my deck. Hmm. And the heroic, you know, it kind of relies on them. But, um, if I can make a constructed deck where, Instead of using combat tricks to ac- activate my heroic, I'm bestowing on creatures. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Or, or hell, just a bestow deck. Just a deck, a deck where every creature in your deck is, is a bestow creature, I think would be super fun. Yeah, definitely. I differ from you in the way that I don't mind using the combat tricks. I'm kind of interested in using more of them. Okay. Um, what would be cool is doing combining our wolf deck idea with the heroic idea, because that was kind of how Hero of Lena Tower worked for me in Wizard's Towers. I brought her out. She has heroic, and then I enchanted her twice, uh, cool. once with the bestow creature. So, yeah, you're right. That would be really cool. Well, if you like combat tricks, it, it seems to me um, that green and white and red mm-hmm. are the colors that have, have the coolest combat tricks okay see there's the green and white again yeah 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 green has a lot of the you know like giant growth just gives your guy plus three plus three yeah um oh i can't remember the name of the card now i think it was in in m14 but there's a card that like gives all your guys like some ridiculous like i like plus four plus four or something and trample or something Mm -hmm. like that um, so yeah, green, you have a lot of combat tricks that'll give you just a straight bonus to power and toughness or give you trample. Mm, um, okay. and then white, like green tends to have bigger bonuses, like your mm-hmm. plus three or something like that, where white has smaller bonuses, but has more of them that affect your whole team, like gives oh. all your creatures plus one plus one. Okay. And white, a lot of times you can also get, um, lifelink. Which can mm-hmm. be very sweet. And then red um, tends to have tricks that give you more of a bonus to your power as opposed to your toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, but red uh, will give you a lot of times first strike, which can be super sweet. Because then your little piddly guys that, that do a lot of damage but can't take it um, actually live because they have first strike and they kill their opponent before he can swing back. Which right. Is pretty cool. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, those are good colors for the combat tricks um, um, if you want to play more combat tricks. Yeah. Yeah, that might be a thought. Um, And then just as a last note on the event, we did win. Yeah, we won both rounds. We only got to play two, but we did pretty well. Yeah, so we represented for the Timmies. Yeah. (laughs) That uh, you can be a Timmy and still, you know, win once in a while. Um, but I have to say in case anyone we played against is listening, um, there was more than our fair share of luck involved (laughs) in both of those matches. Yes. Um, I remember the second match, it literally, it came down to, it was one of those situations where either we were going to kill them in the next turn or they were going to kill us in the next turn. And, um, our opponents had, uh, Oh, God, I can never remember the names of these new cards, but there's a blue card uh, that's a flying creature that gives all the creatures on your team, or not on your team, all the creatures you control flying. I know what it is. It's the archetype of imagination. 
Yeah. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. And it prevents your opponents from having flying. Right. So in Two-Headed Giant, um, it, it gave all of his creatures flying. It didn't mm-hmm. give his partner's creatures flying, but it prevented both of our creatures right. from having flying. And I was playing like all my creatures right. that I had out had flying and right. it just totally neutered them. And, um, he basically, he had enough flying creatures that he could single handedly kill us in the next turn. Mm-hmm. And, um, I drew. Oh, I don't remember the name of the card. It's a Theros card. It's a green bestow creature okay. that gives um, trample. It's a 3-3 yeah. creature with trample that you can mm-hmm. bestow. Um, I think it might be Nylea's Emissary, oh, actually, okay. but I'm not sure about that. But um, I had a, a huge creature out that I'd already bestowed a couple things on. It was just this big creature. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was the Kraken. The oh, blue <laughs> kraken. And okay. so I wasn't able to monsterfy it, but I put this plus three, plus three trample. And we just, we had a lot more creatures than them. But mm-hmm. that, that card, that one card, like won that the game. That was for why us we won. Yeah. Because of the trample. Because otherwise yep. they could have just blocked us and then killed us the next turn. So that was, that was very lucky. I just top decked that trample bestow mm-hmm. and totally saved our ass. Yep. Yeah. And then the first round, what we won by one point. I think yeah. it was three to two or something. So yeah, yeah. And and that's that's an example of why I like bestow creatures so much because you know if that would have just been a trampling some huge trampling creature, we would have lost because I would have summoned him, but he would have had summoning sickness. And right by the time I could have actually attacked with him, we would have been dead. But because he was a bestow creature. I could bestow him on something that was already on the board that didn't have summoning sickness and get mm-hmm. that trample right away. And that's what I what I love about bestow. And I love that basically each bestow card is really two cards in one. Mm-hmm. You can either, you know, cast it for X mana and get a creature, or you can a- cast it for X plus Y mana mm-hmm. and and get an enchantment on a creature you already have. So right. if you're worried, if you're in a tempo play and you're you're racing your opponent, you can just bestow it on a creature that can attack right now. Um, or if you're in a situation where you need more blockers, you can you can play the thing, and and it also takes two spots in your mana curve. You know, yeah, a lower spot and a higher spot, and I just love it. I love the bestow mechanic. I really hope we see it. Uh, I honestly, I'd love to see the bestow mechanic become an evergreen mechanic. I'd love to see it become a mechanic that that's in the core sets and that we see over and over and over again because i just Mm. really like it it's a lot of fun yeah it is neat it's funny to me that you love bestow but you and i agree with you you're not a fan of heroic because you know they they are meant to work together so well yeah and i am not saying that heroic is not a viable strategy. I'm not saying that you can't draft awesome heroic decks because oh, yeah. you can. I'm just saying that me personally, I don't care for it. Yeah. I would, I mean, if I'm in a draft and the heroic deck is there and that's, you know, those are the best cards I'm getting, like I'm going to go for it. But, right. but if I were going to construct a deck, I, I would not go for a heroic deck. It's just not my, my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And it's not mine either. And that's why I was so, glad that we could consult um, when we were building our decks for Two-Headed Giant because you kind of convinced me, no, go with your strongest cards, right. where I was inclined to be biased and be like, well, 
Um, I don't like playing heroic, so I'm just going to dismiss these cards. You know, I was kind of on the fence about that. So, yeah, that was it was great teamwork. Yeah. Go us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it was cool because either I don't think either one of our decks was an especially strong deck by itself. I I would have. Well, I guess I don't know your deck as well as mine, but like my deck in, in a one versus one matchup, I would have been very worried. Um, yeah, I, I don't think my deck was super strong, but, but like you said, each of our decks kind of compensated for the other decks weaknesses and together as a team, they played really well, Yeah, even though individually, neither one of them was maybe particularly strong. Right. Yeah. So it was fun, fun dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really hope the Lady Planeswalkers have some more two-headed giant events because I really like two-headed giant. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think the only format I like better than Two-Headed Giant is uh, Commander. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Some competition. Yeah. Now, Wizard's Tower, it's probably my number three right now. But honestly, I mean, we've just played Wizard's Tower with the two of us. Um, uh, one of the couples we played against, they, they've played some Wizard's Tower, and they were kind of in the same boat. And they were saying that they were really wanting to try wizard's tower with more people and Mm -hmm. and i agree i would love to try wizard's tower with like four or five or more people and and see how that goes and and once i do that it may i may like it better than one of the others but right so we need to get a kitchen table and then we need to contact those folks (laughs) yeah yeah we'll get it figured out yeah yeah, so um, I know that, that Tifa said when she was on the podcast, uh, was that last episode? Yeah, last episode, yeah. Um, we, we asked her if, if she had uh, Wizard's Tower events for Lady Planeswalkers, oh, yeah. and she said, oh, no, you know, I got to figure that out, like how that would work. And, and I mean, it, it seems like the logistics are a little complicated, like mm-hmm. who buys how many boosters or whatever. But I was thinking, I, I don't know, maybe we can get together with them sometimes and just bring one of our towers and just let everybody play with our tower. I mean, we don't care, right? Yeah. I mean, how would you uh, divvy up the cards, though, afterwards? Or are people just going to win packs? Or like, will there be rewards? I I don't know. I guess that would be up to Tifa. But, I mean, I'm not going to give my cards away. But, I mean, we could just play... I mean, does there have to be a prize? <laughs> I don't know. Just get together and play <laughs> Wizard's Tower for shits and giggles and fun. Yeah, right. I'm I mean, sure that's an option. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that how that works exactly. But but I was just thinking that could be a, a fun way to sidestep the whole logistics of figuring out who has to buy so many packs or whatever. Right. Um, you know, I'd be happy to just bring one of our towers and and let people play that. Yeah, totally. So, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe maybe we'll start a Wizards Tower support group and people can come <laughs> play Wizards Tower. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we brought up in a previous episode about how well-suited Theros seems to be to Wizards Tower and Born of the Gods seems to be the same. And, you know, we tried playing Wizards Tower with M14 and Gatecrash, and neither one of those were nearly as much fun. Mm -hmm. So I really wonder if, uh, like, it's kind of a chicken or or the egg thing for me. Which came first, Wizards Tower or Theros? You know, did they they have an idea for Wizards Tower? And they were like, hey, let's make a set that would work really well with this. 
Or did they come up with Theros and then someone came up with Wizard's Tower and they realized, hey, these actually work really well. Wizard's Tower maybe doesn't work so great for Gate Crash, but it works great for Theros. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. We have to ask somebody at Wizards. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So what else have you been up to? Um, well, that's pretty much it. Um, there's just one other thing I wanted to bring up in this segment. Um, I sure. had a I had a uh, eureka moment mm. a week or so ago. Um, if you remember in a previous episode, I, I was kind of making fun of wizards because they call a D20 a spin counter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. And I thought it was kind of funny and silly that, mm-hmm. that, you know, this thing that's been around for decades, they had to put their own name to. Mm-hmm. But um, I have to apologize to Wizards of the Coast. Um, <laughs> as often happens, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> and it turns out that a spin counter and a D20 are actually different things. Yeah. <laughs> And the reason that they're different is where the numbers are on the die are different. Like if you look at an actual 20-sided die that you know you use for like role-playing games, for instance, the 1 is directly opposite from the 20 and the 2 is directly opposite from the 19 mm-hmm. and so on. Like that's how the faces of the die are numbered. But um, on the spin counter, they're not numbered like that. Instead, it, it's numbered in such a way to make it really easy to use for keeping track of life. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you have your 20 face and then you have like 19, 18, 17, 16, 15 all around it. And mm-hmm. then around those are, you know, 14, 13 and so on. Mm-hmm. So they are different. And uh, so the spin counters are actually really nice for using for life totals for magic because it's you just kind of go around the die as you go down in life um however for people like me that are very 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 familiar with d20s from role-playing games it's really confusing because i like subconsciously know where all the d where all the numbers are on a d20 so Mm. i can just very quickly turn the die to the number i want Uh or on the spin counter it's like it takes me forever (laughs) to find the numbers (laughs) Or at least it did until I, I rocked out. how the spin counter works. And I'm like, oh, it'll be right next to the number I was just at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's the difference. So it's kind of funny because Nikki and I roll a D20 to see who goes first. So I always have to pull out an actual D20 <laughs> to roll to see who goes first because I'm not going to roll a spin counter to see who goes first because <laughs> to me it's just bad juju. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even like having them in my dice bag with my actual dice. Oh my gosh. I hope they're not like spoiling my dice <laughs> with their with their weird vibrations or something. Hilarious. So yeah, I'm I'm sure you the listener already knew all this, but uh <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know that I, Lex Starwalker, have finally clued in <laughs> to what a spin encounter really is and Good why time. it isn't the same thing as a D twenty. <laughs> Nice level up moment there for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that really qualifies no. as a level up, but uh, I just don't have a negative to my level anymore. I, I had a negative level there for a while, <laughs> and now it's gone. Okay. So, uh, Nikki, uh, what else have you been up to in Magic in the last couple weeks? That's really it. I've been trying to get back online and try my hand at that deck that I can't beat, um, the white deck. But I haven't had a chance yet, so once I do, you know, I'll let you know if I can beat them. I've gotten a few tips on Twitter 
Oh yeah. yeah, what what tips did you get? Do you remember? I'd like to hear them. You Do know, you I don't. I just remember, and I don't know if he wants his name said on the podcast, so I'm not going to. But this um, one of my followers said that he had a lot of trouble with it too, and he suggested a particular deck to try. And I don't recall which deck it was, but I'm gonna try. You know, try. Do you remember anything. what color it was? Or I think it was blue something. Maybe all blue, maybe blue and something. I don't remember. Hmm. Anyway. It wasn't our buddy in Colorado, was it, Jeff? Um, It might have been, yeah. Because I know he doesn't care if we say his name. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Jeff did respond. I don't... Yeah, I don't even remember if he was the one that said particular deck or not. But he did say that he was having trouble, so... Or he had trouble with him in the past. So that was kind of nice of him to be like, hey, it's not just you. <laughs> but... Yeah, and Jeff is like so super cool. He has offered to trade cards with us because we were talking about how um, we didn't have Annihilia yet. And actually, when when we were at the pre-release and I found out that uh, there was no blue pre-release packs to be had, you, you kind of tweeted about it. And um, Jeff wanted to know you know or actually i think he's he was like oh well you better go green then yeah and i was like yeah that's actually what i did and i was like maybe i'll actually get an ilea this time mm -hmm. and uh so he offered to trade cards with us he's got some nyleas and uh i was like well we've got some extra thassas i'll i'll happily trade you a thassa for an ilea <laughs> Without and, checking prices. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I knew I knew that Thassa was worth more. I, oh, okay. I didn't know the exact prices, but I knew that she was worth more. But I was just like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And, and Jeff <laughs> is like so cool. He's like, oh, you know, Thassa's worth quite a bit more than Nylea. <laughs> so, you know, maybe give me a list of cards that you want or and we'll work something out. And so he is just like so super cool and awesome and like what what every magic player should aspire to be Aww. um i i still haven't sent him that list but uh i'm going to one of these days jeff so so if you're still wanting a thassa let let me know and we'll definitely work something out um i just like i i'm still holding out because we're we're still playing you know some drafts and stuff where we get uh theros boosters so i'm i'm still hoping that that i'll just get lucky and and yeah. get one but i don't know i've got to say i think you should just go ahead and you know yeah, we'll look through our cards and right. figure out what we want to trade but there's no point in waiting although you did say that once you trade and you get the card in the mail from jeff then you're going to open her right pack. murphy's <laughs> law right yeah yeah i haven't run the numbers um to know the exact like probability but but yeah, your probability, um, we, we counted up and I think there's something like 22 or 23 Theros cards that we don't have yet. Of mm -hmm. course, they're all uncommon or rare. And, uh, especially the rares, your probability of getting that particular card in any given booster is really low. Really, oh, really? low. Uh, so, well, okay. you know, first of all, of you course. know, there's only one out of 15 cards that is a rare or mythic rare. And then, you know, if it's a mythic rare, I think it's something like for every eight boosters, one of them will have a mythic rare instead okay. of a, of a rare. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, if it's a mythic rare, you got to count all the mythic rares that there are. And then it's mm -hmm. one and whatever that number. Is. So it's a compounded, uh, uh very low chance of, right. of getting the actual card that you want. So we're definitely at the, at the point in our collection where, 
trying to buy boosters to get the cards we don't have is just crazy. Like we're at the point where we just need to trade or buy yeah. the ones that, that we don't have. Yeah. And this way Jeff gets something that he wants. You right. Know? Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. I just got to figure out how to send magic cards in the mail so they don't get buggered up. Yeah. Like some I'm sure. kind of, uh, like a, like a, like a hard plastic case for just a few cards or something. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but yeah. Ask Jeff. You'll know. And ask on Twitter. I'm sure our listeners are wise people that know. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been meaning to get over to Card Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And Card Kingdom does a lot of business online. And you can send cards to them to to sell cards to them. And you can buy cards from them and they send them to you. Oh, okay. So I would be willing to bet that they have some kind of product that they sell that's just for that. For a way to safely ship just a few cards. Uh um, cause we've got plenty of the ultra pro deck boxes, but I mean, you can fit like two 60 card decks in one of those. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to so, use that. Yeah. That's a bit much for just, you know, <laughs> five magic cards or something. I'd say so. All right. Yeah. Look into it. Yeah. Where there is no way the seeker will find a path. Lesson number four. You said the last one was number four. Number five then. Are you making these up? For episode five, I decided to get something special for the what we're drinking segment, and I picked up Odin's Gift. Ooh. Yeah, it's an amber ale, and it's brewed with juniper be- berries, and this is by Odin Brewing Company in Seattle, and their little motto is, great beer designed with great food in mind. Nice. Yeah, so I guess, you know, their whole, when they're developing a beer or an idea for a beer, they really consider what you're eating when you're drinking the beer, which is interesting. But I wish that they would have put on the beer uh, label itself what they suggested you eat with it. <laughs> you know, it seems logical to me. I didn't see anything on there. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah, but it, it's a pretty label nonetheless. It has Odin's face on it with his big Viking helmet and uh, two dogs sitting next to him. And this amber ale is only 5.4%. Nice. Which is probably appropriate for an amber, but... It just, uh, it was interesting to me that, um, here's like this special ale that you buy and that's, it was a really tall bottle. It's not, uh, just one of your little 12 pack bottles there, but, um, it's, you know, it's still low alcohol percentage. So, or fairly, but it's delicious. I highly recommend it if you like amber ales. And I was surprised though by the juniper berry taste. It's very, it's kind of very in your face to me. Um, you want to try it, Lex? Yeah, I, okay. I think I've had this before, but I don't remember stuff? it. I mean, maybe now that it's warmed up a little, it's different. The ch- the taste does change in a lot of beers from different temperatures. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it is a good beer. I definitely get it again, and everything I've had by Odin Brewing Company, I've liked so far. Now, isn't it um kind of a a general rule that the darker the beer, the warmer you want to serve it at? I've heard that before. And I do feel like uh, a porter, for instance, is better at yeah. a warmer temperature instead of what, right out of the fridge. But I don't remember the exact temperatures. I don't have it in front of me. But you know, you know what's kind of funny? It it almost seems to be a contradiction to that rule. Is uh, um, the IPAs that I like, which maybe it's just the IPAs that I personally like, because I tend to like the ones that are are less bitter and more aromatic, but. Mm-hmm. The IPAs that I like, they definitely have a sweet spot temperature wise. Like, you know, most places 
where you get beer, it's actually a little too cold for that mm -hmm. kind of beer. So, you know, you take your first sip and you're like, ah, you know, whatever. But, you know, once it's sat in your glass for 10 minutes or so and it's kind of warmed up a little bit, like mm -hmm. the flavors really come out. Yeah. For, for those IPAs like, like Lucille and Stone Brewings IPA, you know, those piney ones that I like. Yep. <laughs> and the, the, I guess it's sort of true for this beer. Um, when I brought it right out of the fridge, like I said, I was surprised by the juniper taste. But now that I'm drinking it, and mind you, it's not warm. It's still cool, but it's right. not cold anymore. Right. And um, it's more balanced. It's better balanced now. Right. It's probably around 50 degrees. Okay. Which is a good, good serving temperature for a lot of things like that. You know, your fridge is more like, you know, 34 or 36 or something like that. It's a little little cold as the uh the uh as the beer warms up you know those uh those flavor and um i don't want to say odor what's the word aroma <laughs> aroma <laughs> uh compounds are are actually um better perceived by your taste buds you oh, know at a warmer okay. temperature yeah you know that that's why you know most of the the mainstream American beers are all like, you know, ice brewed and it's got to be ice cold. It's because the beer actually tastes like shit. <laughs> and when it's ice cold, you don't notice how shitty it is. But God forbid it gets it gets warmer, it gets down to 50 and you're like, oh, my God, this tastes like like nasty. As my father used to say, you don't want to drink the panther piss. Yeah. Yeah. You're lucky if it tastes like panther piss. <laughs> so, Lex, what are you drinking? All right. Well, I think I've mentioned this beer on the show before, but I'm drinking New Belgium's Triple. I'm a huge fan of New Belgium. It's one of the few American breweries that consistently makes beers that I like. Mm -hmm. um, and they also uh, live very dangerously in my book because uh, a few of their beers are copying Belgian styles, yeah. which I'm very critical of you know, people copying European styles. Um, you better fucking get it right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Um, they get it right. This is a really good triple. Um, especially for the price. I mean, you can get some really right. good American made, um, triple beers, uh, like, uh, Sam Adams makes some good ones. Uh, Sierra Nevada, the Ovila, their triples oh, right. really good. Mm -hmm. Um, but those, they're really expensive. Like you're going to pay 10, 11, $12 for like one, you know, 750 milliliter bottle or okay. I think that's, yeah, like the size of a wine bottle, um, of beer, um, where this, you know, at least here you can get a six pack of it for like eight bucks. So it's a lot more affordable for something like that you're going to drink on a regular basis. And it's really good. Um, so this is, uh, this is a triple, uh, uh, a Belgian style triple. Uh, it's brewed with coriander and, and you can taste the, the hint of coriander in it. It's uh 7.8% alcohol by volume. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's got a little kick to it. Really good, really, uh, refreshing. Um, if you've never had a triple before there, they were, um, Belgium's answer. As I understand it, they were Belgium's answer to the Pilsner. What? Really? Yeah. Um, okay. so I, I don't remember the dates, but, but in, you know, history, uh, Pilsners became, 
uh, all the rage, mm-hmm. um, starting with Pilsner Urkel, and then you know everybody else started making their versions of Pilsners, and it began this shift from the the darker beers mm-hmm. to these you know these lighter colored beers, mm-hmm. and so the Belgians uh, came up with the triple which was kind of their answer to the Pilsner for people that wanted a lighter colored beer. Oh. Um, but these, you know, Belgian triples are, are very still very complex beers and have a lot of different flavors going on. And, you know, like a lot of Belgian beers are, they're pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this is from new Belgium from uh, Colorado. If you are in an area that maybe doesn't have as much, uh, access to craft beers as we're lucky to have here in, in, uh, the Puget Sound area. Um, you, you may recognize the, uh, beer Fat Tire. Oh, yeah. Which I know when we were in the Midwest was the only new Belgian beer I'd ever seen, mm-hmm. but they make Fat Tire, but New Belgium kind of has like two lines of beer. They have their kind of what I call mainstream beer that's like Fat Tire that's kind of a lower grade, you know, less, interesting and complex beer and then they have um what they used to call i think their explorer series which is like the triple and abbey Mm -hmm. and the imperial ipa yeah um and things like that which which if you're going to try a new belgian beer try one of those because those are are definitely better than their more mainstream beers like fat tire which is yeah i think so yeah or 1554. I have to give a shout out to 1554. Yeah, I love yeah that. that's part of the Explorer series of, okay. of beers. Yeah, definitely. Um, they've recently changed their packaging. So if you, if you're familiar with their triple and you go to look for it, um, you may not see it right away because the packaging is completely different. It's, uh, a, a white label now with a kind of a maroon colored top mm-hmm. of the label. And the triple one has roosters on the front. Um, I have to say at first I was not a, pa- a fan of the packaging and I still prefer the old packaging. Okay. But, uh, the roosters are growing on me. I, I like the roosters. <laughs> but what's the relationship between that and a triple? Like to me, it just seems random. No clue. Okay. <laughs> no clue what the relationship is, but, but they're colorful. They're pretty birds. I don't know. Maybe that's why they chose them because with their red. Yeah, I don't really know, um, you know, where they're coming from, why they changed their labels, um, mm-hmm. because the labels they had before were very distinct. I mean, you could see it a mile away. They really stood out from the other beers in, in you know, the display or whatever. And these, I feel like, don't, you know, they're very kind of plain. Yeah. Almost. Well, just from a designer perspective, if I may. Um, sure. You'll notice that different beers are moving into this idea of getting artists. Um, and they, they take a particular artist, maybe a less known one, and they have them known. I already say, always say that word incorrectly. There's and Max that Chicago always calls out. me out. There's <laughs> <Known>. that Chicago. <laughs> less known folks and Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> And they have them do the art on their beer bottles. And um, there's also like this way that different brewing companies feed off of each other and they feed off different styles. Um, so, yeah, this style 
where it's a very flat look to the text and they have it in all caps, uh, New Belgium and triple all capital letters. I've seen this kind of style in other beer companies um, and on their labels. Okay. So I think it's one of those things where they're just trying to keep up and refresh and stay on top of things um, as far as the trends. But I have to agree with you. I like their old look better. Yeah. And it could just be because I'm more familiar with it. But. Right. Right. We hate change. <laughs> But yeah, um, try the New Belgium Triple. It's very good. Um, definitely not an authentic Belgian Triple. So so don't drink this and, and think that you've had a real Triple. Um, but it's it's really close. And and unlike you know some other American beers that I won't mention that claim to copy a European style, like they actually get it right. Like. When you drink this, there's nothing about it that's like, oh, that's not triple. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's definitely triple. It's very good. It just doesn't have quite the level of complexity mm -hmm. that you're going to get from an actual Abbey triple from, from Belgium. But it's really good. And considering it's less than half the cost of a Belgian triple, yep. um, it's a good thing to have in your fridge. There aren't any easy answers. Magic isn't good or bad. It's complicated that's lesson number six you are making these up aren't you all right lex i hope you're ready for the magical artistry segment this i'm time. ready bring it <laughs> we have an artist that i'm kind of honored to be talking about her she's so wonderful her name is rebecca gay and she's a painter. She's known for her illustration, although she does do a lot of gallery work. And so, you know, there probably is a group of people that only know her for her gallery artwork. But I wouldn't think so because her illustration is so, um, it's so unique. And I, at least I feel like if I see a image of hers on a magic card, I know it's her. You know, it's very easy for me to point out her style. And she's done things not only for Wizards of the Coast, but for D&D. So you probably recognize some of her art. I know she did um, this beautiful mermaid portrait for something for D&D. I don't know. They don't have cards, of course. but <laughs> Right. Um, maybe for the book. They have yeah. books, right? Yeah. Okay. Totally. And she's won countless awards, gold medals. And she definitely um, does, you know, beautiful work on her cards and in the gallery but my favorite piece would be a gallery piece of hers, and it's called The Visitor. And it's the one, if you ever go to her site, oh, yeah, which I've you definitely that. should. Yeah, RebeccaGay.com. Now, now, spell gay for us because it's not. I will. Um, the website is R-E-B-E-C-C-A-G-U-A-Y.com. Oh, it's G-U-A-Y? Yeah, yeah, it's a little different. Oh, it, I think it's French. It's going to be a wild stab. I'm sorry if I am incorrect, but yeah, it's okay, kind cool. of unique. Um, but I did hear her on her Kickstarter video say her name. So I'm pretty comfortable saying that it is pronounced gay. And this particular piece that I'm talking about, the visitor has this beautiful woman and she has, she's just, she looks like a great, um, Renaissance master painted her. Almost. Right, right, like classic art mm -hmm. kind of Classical thing. Renaissance art. And we're talking about the Ninja Look at the Turtles. brain on Brad. <laughs> nice work. Can you name any Renaissance artists? 
<laughs> Wait, Renaissance or classical? Because it's Renaissance. two different things. Renaissance, the great no. Renaissance masters. When we say that, we're talking about the Ninja Turtles. Okay, that's how you can think about it. Because it's the Italian ones are, um, of course, there's many, but Donatello, Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, I Raphael. thought that was classic art. Um, I believe it's Renaissance masters. Now, classical could be a broader. So what's definition? Classical? Who, who's some classical artist? Uh, you know, you're asking older, somebody right? who hasn't taken art history in a while. <laughs> what about um? Shit, I'm blanking. What's his name? Uh, da Vinci. Oh, you just said him. Yep, that's Leonardo da Vinci. He's Renaissance, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> as far so as maybe, I know, maybe I hope Renaissance I'm not giving you guys the wrong the same, same thing. Yeah, I'm thinking classical is just a broader definition. Okay. And so cl- Renaissance fits into that. But, right. you know, okay. again. It's a subset. Yeah, I welcome an education. <laughs> so if you guys are like, oh my gosh, you have this totally wrong. And some art history major out there wants to call me out. Nikki Starwalker on Twitter. <laughs> you guys can do so. No, I'll do you one better. If you're okay. an art history major, come on the show. Yes. Get a hold oh of my us gosh. And yes. we'll. Please come on the show because, yeah, we, we're all about art on the show. And, and I am like a freaking plotting, you know, dirt-footed, hay-headed Neanderthal when it comes <laughs> no, to art. So, so I could definitely use an education. <laughs> no, you're not. But that yes, would be I really am. fun. Okay. I, think <laughs> I you know, know nothing you about know art. You know more than you, than you realize. <laughs> I, I, know, I know art from an anthropological perspective. Well, that's, but... a, big, that's a big thing. Okay. It's nothing okay. to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dismiss. You know, okay. that's important. Okay. Anyway, so, um, yeah, and that actually juxtapose is a contemporary slash underground art magazine that um, if you're into art, you probably know about it, but they're online now too. And that's what they've been saying about her work. And I agree completely. I mean, you can see the influence in all her pieces. Does from she have the a calendar? Masters. Um, <laughs> she really should. Because I really I want a fucking calendar. Pieces. Yeah, that would be great. Here we it is February. We still don't have a good calendar. I know. Well, yeah, we don't have a good calendar. No, we have exactly. a calendar. I want, I want a good fantasy art, you know, yes. or magic or, or, you know, what, what's her name? This is Rebecca Gay. Rebecca Gay. I want yeah. a good Rebecca Gay calendar. That would be awesome. Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Well, we'll have to look into it. Maybe online somewhere we can find one. All right. I'll shut up and let you talk now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could talk as much as you want. But yeah, this the visitor has the woman and then there's like this tentacle, like this octopus yeah, tentacle. I love it. It's so cool. It's like this mix between this classic piece and then this fantasy kind of thrown in there. Well, and it's very cleverly done because she kind of has her hair pulled around on one shoulder mm-hmm. and then the, the tentacles like on the opposite side, almost, almost perfectly symmetrical. So you actually, or at least me, when you first look at it, you might not even notice the tentacle at right. first. It's like, it, it's like you start studying the piece and then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? There's a tentacle there. <laughs> Yes, and it it makes you question, is the visitor this octopus creature? Is right. it her? Like, of course, you know, right. you would think it's right. the octopus, but you see octopus in the completely in the background behind her. So then it kind of seems like she's the visitor. I don't know. I just kind of like the piece. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty piece. Yeah, totally. That, that'd be great for Numenera, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, D&D, that's kind right. of, you know, her thing. 
Yeah. And then, like I said, you guys should check her out online at her website, RebeccaGay.com. And she's doing a big Kickstarter right now. And she is doing the Kickstarter for an art book called Evolution, the Art of Rebecca Gay. And it take, it kind of covers her pieces from 1993 to 2014. And her original goal was $36,000 to print this book. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's a really gorgeous book with like gold leaf on the outside. Are we getting it's one? just so pretty. I really want one, but not yet. We haven't given her money yet. Let's but do we'll it. See. Yeah. Um, I'd love to either get the book or at least a print because she has some really Let's pretty get the prints. Book. Okay. <laughs> um, but they already reached the minimum funding to be printed. And this Kickstarter just started, mind you. Nice. And it's currently at 46,989 thereabouts, last time I looked. And that's only with 171 backers. So wow. people, yeah. And you can actually on there and it's gone now, but she had as one of her rewards, like the original piece. And we're talking thousands of dollars and, you know, only one person can get it. But it's, it brings up the, the money pretty quick, I think. She should have had an auction for that. Yeah, right? I know. Let I everybody think she have could a have bidding made war. Even more, yeah. more, maybe. She would have made more than the Kickstarter just on that. <laughs> maybe, because they're very <laughs> beloved pieces, it seems right. like, yeah. from the community. And she's doing signed prints of her Magic the Gathering art. And that's available for backers. And I just wanted to talk about the three that are available. One of them is Dwell on the Past, and it's from Torment. Okay. And it's uh, from an uncommon card, but it's gorgeous, and you can see a lot of movement in it. What's Torment? Torment is an older set. I oh, don't remember exactly set. when. Yeah, it's a set. Oh, see, that's I'm what just, I meant. It's I got Torment. Numenera on the brain. I was thinking oh. of the Numenera PC game that's coming. Oh, okay. It's called Torment. Oh, is that, oh, that's right. What a coincidence. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, anyway, so we have that one, and then we have Regenerate you can get as one of the prints, and that's from Magic 2010. It's an uncommon. That one's gorgeous. Again, with the crazy movement in the hair. That is definitely the best art I've ever seen on a Regenerate card. That is for sure. So tell me about this. Regenerate is something you see in a lot of sets. Yeah, or, it's a it's a keyword ability. A lot of creatures oh, okay. have it, but it's also I believe it's a green spell. Um, I'm pretty sure I remember G regenerate from all the way back in Alpha. Oh, but okay. it's just a uh, like an aura enchantment that you can put on the creature to give them regenerate. Okay, the ability to regenerate. Okay, I look like such a noob, but I can't like remember ever playing regenerate. So. It's so little. Movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen okay. it like in the recent sets since we started playing. Oh, like, okay. I, I don't remember seeing it in M14. Definitely not in Theros. Okay. Um, so I don't know. It could be one of those cards that they don't even reprint anymore. But oh, I definitely maybe. remember it from back in the day. Okay. Well, that makes this piece worth even more than if they don't even put that card out, I would think. Yeah, but when I saw Regenerate, it didn't have that art. Like that is way cooler than whatever the art was before oh. alpha or beta or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's really pretty and it's kind of emotional because it yeah. looks like two elves are embracing each other and she, he's trying to bring her back to life somehow. So it's interesting. And then the other one, it's channel and that um, is from an expansion set. It's called from the vault exiled mm. and it's a mythic rare. And it's gorgeous also. Um, again, all the movement in her pieces with her dress flowing and yeah. her hair. She just, 
I love Rebecca Gay. She's just wonderful. That That's another old card that I recognize, but have not seen that particular art for. And that's way better than whatever the art was that I saw. Uh, yeah, I looked it up on the Gatherer um, from Wizards of the Coast's website. And I did, like, I had to do a little digging to find this particular card that used this art. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, the art in the, the first few magic sets wasn't that great it was it was just the time like i remember um i mean that was back when dungeons and dragons was still published by tsr and Mm -hmm. you know it's this crappy cartoony art you know where where nowadays you know we're we've moved more towards realism which you know i'm all about realism so Hmm. okay at least in magic yeah well just in art in general like I, i hate like cartoony Oh, yeah, you in particular, yeah. I know. Yeah, I want to see, when I look at a piece, I want to believe it's real, hmm. you know, and okay. when it's all cartoony with these big, huge eyeballs and androgynous people, it's like, <laughs> Okay. It's not real. <laughs> I just kind of see there's a place for both. You sure, know? Like, sure. I don't have a problem with that at all, but I do like the fact that we're moving into this kind of uh, look and feel on current magic cards, the look of realism. Although hers, I mean, I would argue it's not this, I wouldn't no, use the these, term realism for no, her these, stuff. No, these particular examples definitely are not, would that be impressionist? Is that? Mm, a little bit, but not, no, it's not strictly impressionist. I don't know. It just, it's fantasy illustration. I don't have a better definition for it. She uses all sorts of colors. All sorts of movement. I mean, you, they definitely are the human form in a lot of these pictures, but they're also elongated and they're, you know, like proportionally, they're not per- perfectly correct, right, but it just right. adds to the painting. Like she knows how to do it in, in an expert manner. She looks like she'd be the perfect illustrator for like a Clive Barker novel. Oh, that's interesting. Like The Thief of Always or something. Okay. I haven't read any. I feel <laughs> kind of ignorant on that part. Oh. I need to read some Clive Barker. What does he write? Um, I mean, I know the name, of course, but... Yeah, it's kind of hard to... It's really bizarre, kind of... I don't know. It's hard to describe. Is it a genre? Like, is it fantasy or... Kind of fantasy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but kind of bizarre and psychological and... Oh, neat. Kind of like, sort of like Lovecraft mm-hmm. or um, like, uh, kind of like, like the kind of feel you get from like a Tim Burton film oh, where okay. everything's kind of otherworldly and yeah. bizarre, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. She probably would be good Whoops. at that then. And like, or yeah, at least totally. her gallery stuff, the magic card, she can't do as much of this with because I think they have regulations on nudity and what can be in the image and what can't. But at least her gallery shit. work. <laughs> It's very sensual. Okay, here's here's uh, on my Christmas list for uh, Wizards. I want a uh, mature audiences only magic set. <laughs> okay. Where such uh, restrictions do not exist. I see. <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. But yeah. they probably, unfortunately, they probably have a large audience and buyers that are in a, a you know, just a younger age group. So I don't think they're, they'll ever do that. If what you want my is prediction. wrong with nudity? I, it's just our society. I like, know, right? I'm sure France and like other parts oh, yeah. of the world aren't like that. It's more restricted on swear words or the violence. Right. Well, exactly. Like, you know, like France, like you said, 
um, they the the level of violence that we show on just daytime TV, like yeah. they would never allow. But yet, you know, they have full nudity, mm-hmm. and it's like really, which which would you rather your children see? Um, someone naked or someone killing someone. Right. I mean, what, is, what the fuck is wrong with us in this country? <laughs> I don't know. I can't comment on that, but. Well, we do I know, but of... we're not going to talk about that because that's not what this show's about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good enough topic, I guess. All Damn. Right. Let me hit this table a couple more times just in case <laughs> no one heard it the last few times. Now, how many triples has that been? <laughs> this is only number two, but when you're oh at, uh, what was it? Seven points. Yeah, that's that's in. Eight good percent? amount, dear. <laughs> well, I did two podcasts. I got to drink a triple for every podcast. I see. <laughs> it's our guarantee. It's Starwalker Studios. A triple What's for a guy every podcast. Do? That's right. <laughs> one triple per podcast. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right. Well, back on topic. Um, we're we have back a topic. On- <laughs> we do. Oh my All gosh. Right. We have found it again. <laughs> Rebecca Gay. Yeah, she has Artiste. this one cool backer reward that I thought our listeners might be interested in. Okay. If you are, if you know who she is, and you are a fan of hers. One of the rewards is she will sign all of your magic cards. What? That, that she's done, okay, with her artwork on oh, it. Oh, okay. But, I mean, she's done a lot of cards for yeah. them. And she will sign all of them up to 400 cards. But you can send, you will, you will get a receipt after you purchase this. You'll send her your cards with the receipt and she'll sign all of them. 400? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time for her to sit there and sign every card. So it's a really cool reward. Um, so if you want to support her and you want to get your card signed, look at our Kickstarter. All right. I, I have a personal request for me to you, the listener. Um, if, if you do this, um, please don't send this poor woman 400 cards this time. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, right. I've read some books on Kickstarters and, you know, one of the, one of the big issues with someone for their first Kickstarter is you don't really, necessarily realize how much work and time is involved in fulfilling all the stuff and just shipping things out to people and i mean this poor lady how many that might be is it just one person that can get that or is there a limit to how many people can back at that level there must be but i did not look to see is there do they tell you there's only this many that you can get okay but yeah i mean even if only five people Send right. her 400 cards oh assigned. Gosh. Can you imagine how long it would take to sign no. 2,000 cards? <laughs> no. I mean, like unless she has one of day, those like least. stampers with her <laughs> signature on it. Yeah, I don't think that counts. <laughs> I think that should count. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, it has to be hand signed. Bless her heart. I hope she has a bunch of gnomes or something that can <laughs> forge her signature and help her Maybe she has sign clones. these cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. But some of her rewards are like that. They're pretty, um, again, with the words, they're, they're a lot to ask. And she's actually putting that up as a reward. It's probably a really high reward. You know, okay. it's probably worth quite a bit. But it comes, came after all these prints, I think. So. Well, yeah, you got to figure it's going to take hours for her to sign right. yeah. that many cards. Of course, most people probably won't send 400, but you never know. You never know. I mean, there could be people like me that just love art and maybe they're collectors and have tons of cards, you know. So anyway, if you don't want to go through the Kickstarter or if you want to do both, you can buy her signed prints on her website. There are 13 by 19 
They're really nice. She has quite a selection on there. And you can also pay for your cards to be signed or altered and signed. So you know how there's this thing in Magic where people, uh, artists, or just you can ask your opponent to do it. Um, they take your card and they will actually draw on top of the image uh-huh. and kind of either enhance it or make it funny or whatever. So Quote she will do that. Enhance it. Right. <laughs> she will alter uh, your cards and sign them. So it's kind of nice of her to offer that. Um, not all Magic card artists do that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if Rebecca Gay does it, it probably will be an enhancement. But if your opponent does it, it's enhancement <laughs> is it, is a colloquial colloquial term, which really means make it shitty. <laughs> it's all based on the observer's opinion. <laughs> your Winsteed writer now has a mustache. Isn't that cool? <laughs> well, you know, I think if it's her art, I would think that's actually kind of hard. To have to draw on top of your piece that you've already decided is finished and on the card and now somebody's right. asking you to alter it. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she'll do it. So that's nice of her. Um, yeah. And the best place to find her online or through social media is her website. You'll have all the links right there. And what's the website again? RebeccaGay.com. Her last name is G-U-A-Y. And two C's in Rebecca, right? Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, well, guys, definitely go check that out. Um, we should really support these artists that, that make our magic cards so much more than just boring rules text. Right. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, honestly, I think as if, if you're trying to bring something... something, God, I can't fucking talk. Neither of us can think of words today. I know. <laughs> if, if you're trying to bring someone new... Into the game of magic. It, right. If there is one thing about that this game that's going to give them that just first impression of this is really cool. This is something I want to be a part of. It's mm-hmm. going to be the art. Yeah. You know, and and we should. I mean, it's hard to be be an artist in this society. Um, you know, what they do is not valued to the degree that it should. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you see these football stadiums filling up with people right. for these sports players. But somebody um, as amazing at art as Rebecca Gay is, you know, she has to do a Kickstarter and try right. to get garner as much money and attention as she can. And, you know, she has to market herself and she really works hard at it, it seems like. so. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, um, check out the Kickstarter. We'll have a link in the show notes um, and, you know, support another great, artist who contributes to magic the gathering and uh you know show your support and get some really cool um swag in the process for sure a wizard is never late frodo baggins nor is he early he arrives precisely when he means to well it's that time again lex it is the end of episode five Parting is such sweet sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys can check out our website, starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkers of Nyx. And there you will find the RSS feed, um, our show notes for this episode. I will definitely put up some Rebecca Gay links. Yeah. And you can also check out our other podcasts there. For instance, uh, I do a podcast called GM Intrusions for... Uh, Numenera and The Strange, which are two um, D20-based role-playing games, tabletop role-playing games by Monty Cook, who is 
like supreme badass extraordinaire game designer. <laughs> wow, great um, title. <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. If you can tell. Um, you can reach us by email at lexstarwalker at gmail dot com, and you can follow us on Twitter at nikkistarwalker dot com. <laughs> you did it again. What? What did I do? There's no dot com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. You can't you can't blame old Chubb this time because you're not drinking old Chubb. I know it's so crazy. She is a lightweight. Nikki is a cheap date, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> um, I'm at Lex Starwalker on Twitter. <laughs> at least you got it right. <laughs> They'll you. figure it out. <laughs> yes. And I want to say thank you to all our listeners. Um, thanks for listening to Planeswalkers of Nyx. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nyx or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko, Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!